Up. Isn't that a touching video? One of the things I love about the Grove is that we are very diverse. So in the last eight months, get this, 151 people have either committed their lives to Christ for the first time or recommitted their lives to Christ. All right? We've baptized nine um, people so far. This next Sunday is going to be another four or five, uh, which is super cool. That's really exciting. And if you look at the age bracket of all those people that have done this, they're from the young to the old. It's awesome. It's beautiful. And um, for us sitting out for the Grove, man, we, we want to reach whoever God wants us to reach, everybody. And uh, it's pretty amazing as we go through this process. This is a beautiful thing. Life is a beautiful thing. Aging is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Last week we talked about um, kind of lightening up. We, we showed this video for moms and for ladies and saying we need to, to be aware of the, the cultural uh, messages that are sent to us all the time because they can, they can hinder what, what we can accomplish in life. This is another part of that. Uh, growing up. It's, not, it's, it's a process. It takes time. We get there. But it can be a beautiful thing if we allow it, if we embrace it, because it's going to happen to all of us. And, and the further down the road we can see, the better uh, choices we'll make. And the further down the road we're thinking, uh, the more likely we're going to be able to get to that place that we've been dreaming and hoping about, hoping for. Um, I, think, I think it's great just to see a young couple looking you know, at the transition and beginning to think about the possibilities of the future. So uh, today we're part six of Grow, Grow Up, um, the series, and uh, it's, it's great. So um, last week we talked about lightening up. We said others will follow you when they see something worth following. Uh, we really challenge parents, challenge you as individuals, let God capture your heart, uh, because when, you, when he captures your heart, it's going to be easy to follow what he's asking because you could trust him. The same thing for parents. Capture your kid's heart so that when you ask them the hard things, the, the, the behavior and the mind will follow that just automatically. That was kind of last week and just saying, hey, it's about having a, a, a good attitude. Uh, we challenged you uh, for Monday through Sunday. So this today, the challenge would kind of end today. And we said, hey, whatever you're doing, would you just show up? That's an important part. Would you show up early? Would you show up ready to work? Would you show up ready to work with a good, uh, early with a good attitude? Would you show up ready to work with a good attitude and a teachable spirit? And then we said, well, can you do this consistently? Did anybody do this Monday through Sunday? Anybody? Yeah? Did, did it make a difference in those that are raising your hand? Yeah? It does. I guarantee it will. Uh, for the rest of us that maybe missed it, I didn't see some hands go up. Hey, learn to be consistent in what you do. Uh, when people see us just showing up and, and ready to, uh, for the day, the positive attitude, it changes. It changes us, and it changes the people around us. So if you didn't, if you didn't miss last week, go online here iTunes. You can catch up or on our web, website. A uh, great, great uh, way to, to catch up. So uh, today we're talking about being like Jesus. Like Jesus, we're talking about focus. And here's the, here's the idea. What gets your attention gets you. What gets your attention gets you. Um, about, I wish I remember the year, uh, eight years ago? I guess about eight years ago. Um, I, I had this really cool phone, uh, maybe nine years ago. It was called the Sidekick. And um, it was from T-Mobile. You know, like you pop up the side, and we, you, you get to push these buttons, and it was really like it was te- it was cutting edge technology. And then this company comes out with this phone called the iPhone, and I'm like, Sidekick iPhone, this is pretty cool. You like that's a lot better. And so they came out with the first generation, the second generation. Well, I, I waited, and, and um, third generation came out. It was called the 3G, and uh, I was super excited to get the 3G. All right, and so. Saw the commercials, saw a lot of my friends had it. Um, it was just a cool thing to get. So I was getting so excited about the iPhone 3G. I, I put myself up, and so we, we, we spent a little more money than we should have and got in a contract that we really didn't want to be in, uh, but we, we got the iPhone 3G. And I remember at first, I was like, man, this is cool. This is great. Um, but somewhere along the line, about a week in, I realized it was like I had this really big letdown. Like in my mind to the commercials and what I told myself, expectations, I thought the iPhone 3G was going to change my life. 
That's, that's pretty much what the marketers tell you. Like, this thing is going to change everything. And I was so let down about a week into it. I was like, this really didn't change anything. I just have an expensive bill now, an expensive phone. Uh, it's nice. I really liked it. It was good technology, and I, it was useful. But it didn't live up to the expectation that I had for it. And it really didn't do all that it promised. All right? But it got my attention, which means it captured part of me, and I began to want that so bad. Well, I learned a lesson because as soon as 3G came out, after 3G, then the 4 came out, right? And we didn't jump on the 4 right away because we're like, well, we still have a contract and plus um, we did all that. So we waited and then the 4S, you know, we're thinking again, maybe this is going to be the one that really changes things. And you buy the 4S and then the 5 comes and the 6. And I'm like, they never stop. Like, you, you, as soon as you get one, there's more to come. And so when you set your heart on something and it changes, you, you get let down. So I have, um, I have an iPhone 4S. So that's like three or four generations back still. And I'm just trying not to be in a rush because I know what happens uh, when, I, when I set my heart on something that the marketers tell me in the commercials. Well, it captures something in me and it can't ever live up to. And here's the thing. Our culture is, is so good at this. There are there is, um, part segments of our society that feed off of people just for marketing and, and selling us stuff that is junk, uh, selling us stuff that doesn't ever live up to, you know, like, a magic bullet. You ever heard of magic bullet on TV? You know, it's supposed to like make like the best salsa ever. Um, I'm pretty sure if you made, if you got it and you did it, you'd be really disappointed because it's it's good salsa, but it's not like the best salsa ever. It's just salsa. Now, if you taste my wife's salsa, then you'll pay some good money for that. So, and but but we we, we buy into these gimmicks and into these things. And so um, our culture, and this is this is what I think a part of it. I'm not saying our culture is sin, but this is what sin does. It promises us things that it can never fulfill. It can never live up to. And we see this all around us. We, we buy in all these things. If I had that, if I could do this, if I could do that, we'll get it. Well, when it comes to growing up, see, them, we have these five chairs that kind of represents the five stages that we want to see people transition. The empty chair, it means those that are not here yet. Um, for us as Christians, these are pre-Christians or non-Christians. They just haven't, they haven't come alive. The Bible even says that um, there's really no spiritual life in them until they make that decision to say, I'm going to follow Christ, and then they become a new person. They become we call it born again or born from above. And, and, and you become a, essentially a, an infant, a spiritual infant. And so we're talking about these stages where you go from infant to childhood to adolescence to adulthood. Well, here, these, these three stages, they, they buy into, in fact, my kids, every, every, we had cable for one month. And they wanted to buy every single thing that came on the commercial. Can we have that? Can we have that? Dad, please let us get that. And I'm like, no, you'll, you'll like it for a day and then it'll break and then you'll cry and we'll lose all our money. And um, sure enough, though, they, they were like, they bought into whatever the TV said. They're like, we want that. And, and it's easy to get stuck in this mindset, in this age. Becoming a mature adult sees beyond those things. And it's not the toys and thing, gimmicks, things like that, uh, uh, gadgets are bad. It just, if, if we let it capture part of us that, that uh, is, is uh, deeper, it can be bad. And when we're trying to say, let's, let's move the process down. And so Jesus, for us, a mature adult, um, if, if I can give you a perfect picture of a mature adult, his name is Jesus Christ, all right? And that, that is our, that's our goal. That's what we should be trying to, to uh, attain and try to reflect and be like. He, he's our goal. In fact, throughout the scriptures, the disciples, they even said this over and over, like, hey, we're trying to become more and more like Christ. Like, we want to reflect him. They said this about Christ. They said Christ is, is, the, is the image of the invisible God. So if you want to know what God looks like, he is the image of the invisible God. Christ is. And then throughout, throughout the scriptures, throughout the stories, it talks about how people that encounter him, they become to reflect him, and they become more like him. 
fact, Paul says to Corinthians, he says, you'll go from this, this process of glory to glory. Like you're going to look more and more and more like Christ as you let him work in your life. See, one of the names for Jesus, he's called the Word, the Word of God. Like the idea is the Bible that we have, like if you want to know what this would look like in, in human flesh and, and form, you just look at Jesus. He, he is the living Word. Like he lives this and he lived it for us. In fact, that's why he came. He kind of said, you know what? Having these words and these stories are great, but I want to model for you like what this looks like. And that was the journey that he, he, he calls us on as, as Christians. In fact, the first thing he, to, he told his disciples, he says, hey, come and... Anybody want to say that? What's the, what's the first thing he said? Come and follow me. Follow me. Come and follow me. That was his invitation. What was he saying? I'm going to model for you something. Why don't you follow me and learn from me? See, and we say this in 201, discipleship, being a disciple... It's, it's way different than being a student. A lot of you guys are finishing school. Some of you finished your, some college, and that just finishes last week and with, with all your finals. High school and now and mid-school, that's finishing this next week. Well, for us, a student, it's important you know, to be a student, to be a good student, to learn. A student wants to learn what the teacher knows so they can pass a test. See, the, the disciple's a little different than a student. Um, being a student is good. We learn those things. But being a disciple is not just learning to pass a test. Sadly, that's where a lot of people stop when it comes to their relationship with God. But being a disciple is somebody that wants to become like the rabbi. That is what it means to be a disciple. When Jesus said, Peter, come and follow me. What he's saying is, Peter, I believe you have what it takes to do what I do, so come and follow me. So if you're a Christian, you begin following Christ, what he's saying is, I believe you have what it takes to represent me to this world. See, one of the reasons we have a lot going on with the police, uh, you know, the authority issues in, in government, with, with, with the police, all that, is because God said that we are supposed to be, he said, Adam and, Adam and Eve, when he created them, they're made in the image of God. So humans are supposed to be the image bearer of God. So when somebody in authority doesn't represent God, they're supposed to be a, the, 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 image, the, the image bearer. Well, they give a bad distortion of that. Nobody's going to want to have anything to do with God. And so... Jesus is changing that and saying, hey, I want you to be a representative of people around me. Be an image bearer of, of me. Now, would you show people the, my character and my grace and be that? And that's what God has invited us into. So this process of growing up, um, through the last six, five weeks that we've been doing this, we're really saying, hey, God is trying to lead us down this path to help us get there. This is what he says. Um, in Ephesians 4.13, he says he handed out gifts into the church. He talks about pastors and why he gave the church different, these different uh, gifts. He calls them in the message, he says, it's a translation of the, of the Bible. He says, uh, he gave the apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastor, teacher, to train Christ followers in skilled servant work. Like, my job is to train people how to follow Christ. That's my job, is to train people to do work, to do work for God. Working within Christ's body, the church, until we all moving rhythmically and easily with each other. It's a great picture. Efficient and graceful in response to God's Son. That's what we're trying to accomplish as a grow. We're trying to work together to accomplish a, a larger vision. Efficient in response to God's son, fully mature adults. So he's saying we're supposed to mature, become fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ. He goes on to say this is what God wants. He wants us to grow up. And this is where we get the series, kind of the idea from the series, to know the whole truth and to tell it in love, to grow up. Like Christ in everything. We take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. Another translation says, who is the head of us. He's a leader. We follow Christ in everything. We grow up. We become mature. And so this process is, man, maybe you never went to church. So you kind of were here and maybe watching TV. And then one day God, you know, began to, to uh, draw you to him. 
Maybe it was at a church service. Maybe it was the conversation with a friend. Whatever, something awakens in you that says, hey, I have a need for God. Like there's this hole in my life that can only be filled by God. And you start this journey where you begin to let him lead. You become an infant. And you start, this, you start going on. Well, well, he doesn't want you to stop. The process keeps going on where you learn, you grow. You begin to do things that he asks you to do. You pray more. You love people. You serve people. You contribute. You help. And we talked about how this chair is the most dangerous, not most dangerous, the most difficult to get past adolescence. We kind of get like this teenagers of faith, and we kind of know enough to be dangerous. We know enough to uh, kind of talk the, talk the talk, but we get stuck. And I think this is where our culture as a whole gets stuck a lot of times because we're so concerned with appearances um, that we, we're, as long as we appear to be spiritual, we're okay. Or we appear to be healthy, then we're okay. Or we appear to be happy. And what happens when we appear and we're really not, we're just putting more of what is out in culture that, that gets us so upset. It's not real. It's not authentic. It's lacking. It's missing. And God is saying, get past the appearance. Get to this place where you're actually the real thing. So we've got to keep moving this process down. And this is kind of the idea of growing up. Is we're following him and growing up into Christ who is the head. In fact, Jesus, he was so um, trying to help us to fight against these, these messages that we hear every single day, all the time, from culture that says appearance is everything. You want this, you want this, this is going to make your... In fact, marketing, I mean, what gets your attention gets you. That's like, that's like a marketing tool and strategy. They know if they can, if they can tell you that buying this car is going to um, get you to have uh, more girlfriends or get you to have more sex is really what they're trying to sell, then you buy into it and you want it. Um, if, if you buy this thing, your life's going to be complete. Well, it's all about appearance. It's all about what they're trying to sell. There's something deeper. They've got to say, no, no, it's not about that. In fact, um, his, first, his first sermon, it's called the Sermon on the Mount, he fights against appearance so much. He says, all right, he talks to religious people. He says, you guys put on this good show. All right? You're making this big show. You're performing, but you're missing the point. In fact, he says, all right, so you, you, you focus so much on the outward, but he's saying, I really want the inside. I want you to do it for the right motives. I want you to do it for the right reasons. So he's saying, don't just not, don't just not, I mean, yeah, don't kill people. That's good. But don't even think bad thoughts about them. Like, let's take it a step further. Like, here's the bar. Let's raise it a little more. And let's go on the inside. In fact, Jesus, his message is not easy. Um, it's a difficult message. He says things that are really difficult for us to hear. Like, this is really hard. Like, I'll give you an example. In Matthew 16, he says this, um, and let me give you context of what he's saying this, all right? So he's asking his disciples, all right, so the religious people, like, like, like what are they saying about me? Who, who do they say? And they say, well, some think you're a prophet, some think you're a good teacher, and all this. And he says, well, who do you think I am to his disciples? And Peter makes this declaration that God says, upon this declaration, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. And Peter says, you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And he makes this declaration, and in this, Peter then, God, Jesus says, you know what? God revealed this to you, Peter. This is where, how I'm going to build my church on this declaration of, of me being the Son of God, the Messiah. And the, church of, the, the gates of hell will not prevail against, this, against my church. So God gives us the church this power to be able to accomplish some great things. And the next, next sentence, he says, okay, but here's what's going to happen, guys. I'm going to die. Like, I'm going to suffer. They're going to kill me. But don't worry, in three days I'm going to rise again. And the disciples get mad. Like, no, no. Peter says, no, you, that can't happen. That, that's not... That's not what you're talking about. You're the son of God. You're, you're, that's like a weakness. You can't allow that. And, and, and Jesus corrects Peter and says, no, no, you have to allow this or you can't have a part of my kingdom. And then he goes on to this teaching that's kind of like, well, this is really difficult. This is what he says. He says to the disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. 
wow, that's, that's not a fun message. Like, man, as a kid, I'm not going to like that message because life is about me. It's about toys. It's about my, everything about me. I'm the center. He said, no, no, you have to turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross and follow me. See, the cross for them, for us, it's, it's, I mean, it's a, a beautiful picture we see now. It's a symbol of Jesus' death because he loved us so much, but it's a symbol of death. So when he says, take up your cross, he's saying, hey, you have to die every day. Like, you have to die to yourself. You have to die to those things of desires that keep you away from me. It's a difficult message Jesus invites us into. Turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross and follow me. All right, Jesus, when you first said follow you, it was just about fishing for people. Now it's, I have to die? This is really difficult. This is weird. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Man, what do you benefit if you get all the cool phones and technology and all the things they tell you to get, but you lose your soul in the process? Yeah, so you get to do all this stuff. Is anything worth more than your soul? That's how he follows up that statement of saying, all right, if you're going to follow me, it's going to take commitment. It's going to take sacrifice. A mature adult is willing to put aside their needs to help the ones coming behind them. I'm a good father because I'm, I'm able to say, you know what, it's not about me right now. I'm going to help my kids take those steps and help move forward. He goes on to say this, anyone who intends to come with me has to, has to let me lead. This is Jesus talking, God leading. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. And don't run. Embrace it. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way to finding yourself, your true self. The kind of, uh, what kind of deal is it to get everything you want but lose yourself? How, how, what could you trade for your own soul? Did I read that two times? I just got confused there. All right. So he said, what can you trade for your own soul? Man, what is it you can do? It's self, about sacrifice. It's about being a servant. And this is what's cool. This is God of the universe who created everything. He comes down. He, you know what he says most important? To serve others to love others, to give of yourself to help others. Like, wow, that's, that, that's, like, that's not the king that I envision of like having like these servants, you know, waving these, these fans and feeding them grapes and everything's about them. This is like a king saying, no, no, my kingdom's different. It's about loving others, about serving others, about helping others. And this is an invitation to us. He says, follow me. So do me a favor, all right? Please don't think about a purple elephant. Don't think about a purple elephant, all right? Don't think about it. You can go to that slide for me. Do me a favor. Now close your eyes. Don't think about anything at all. Everybody's eyes closed. And especially, don't think about a purple, a pink elephant. All right? Okay, now open your eyes. What did you see? Anybody see a pink elephant? Oh, well, that's good. You weren't thinking about a pink elephant. Most of the time, if you say, so tell somebody don't think about something, they tend to start thinking about something. Right, so it's kind of like um, a lot of times in life we try to avoid things with sure willpower and our mental power, but in in the very fact that we try to avoid it, we actually drive that thought deeper. It's kind of like um, um, you know when when well I'll give you an example. So the thing that we intently that we're trying to avoid, a lot of times we actually automatically become more attracted to that very thing when we tell ourselves to avoid it. It's kind of like um, um, Maybe, maybe in, in this picture, you know, it's, uh, go to that next one for me, next slide. So we become what we behold. Maybe it's not a pink elephant. 
Maybe in that picture it would be dollar signs. There's a great phrase, we become what we behold. The idea of whatever we're fixated on and focused on, that's what we're going to become. And we, we can actually drive those things deeper in, into, our, into, our, into, our, um, into our life. Maybe it's not pink, pink elephant. Maybe it's dollar signs. Maybe it's a bottle of alcohol in that picture. Um, maybe other, some, other form of sub, some other substance that you, you need and use. Uh, maybe it's a celebrity. Uh, maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's something that somebody else has, and that becomes what we begin to behold and think about. And a lot of times the very things that we, um, we know harm us and hurt us, we don't really want, but we're, we're so intent and trying not to, to avoid them that we actually uh, drive them deeper into our life. What are your eyes fixed on? What is your life centered around? What is the most important? Because you become what you behold. See, if we want to abstain from sweets, the answer is not to continually tell ourselves to abstain from sweets. It's not like, all right, Eric, don't think about candy because you can have candy. Don't think about candy. Don't think about candy. Because actually what's going to happen is you're going to create an appetite for candy telling yourself not to think about candy. The answer... Rather, you, instead of pre-programming your mind to develop the appetite, you would say, I love fruit and vegetables. Fruit and vegetables are so good. I wish I could have fruit and vegetables right now. Man, I love fruit and vegetables. Man, I, I wish I could. I can't get enough of these fruit and vegetables. And you go the opposite way of saying, I'm not going to just tell myself not to do this thing. I'm going to actually look for the corresponding opposite pole of that, saying, um, how can I be free from this stuff? And here's, here's my point in making this. Um, if we are to be, become mature people, our life has to become focused on something different than what our culture tells us. Because our culture is going to tell us it's about popularity. It's about making a lot of money. It's about looking really good. It's about buying the latest thing. And when we begin to focus on those things, we become what our culture tells us we should become. And how many of you guys know our culture that what it tells us is not working? Right? I mean, it looks like it's working. It looks nice. But if you look deeper, you begin to find there's something lacking and missing. There's no depth because it, it's, it's, it's all surface. It's all appearance. And God is saying, I want to take you somewhere deeper where this life is going to be meaningful. That like that first video that we watched, as you age and you enjoy life with people, you're going to get to this place where you say, man, we accomplished something. It's amazing. It's beautiful. Actually, the writer of Hebrews actually tells us this. He says, keep your eyes on Jesus who began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, the shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over the story again, item by item. That long litany of hostility he plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. That's a great paraphrase for, 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 um, for Hebrews, that scripture in Hebrews. Eugene Peterson, he, he paraphrased the Bible, kind of give us some different language for that. He's saying, fix your eyes on Christ. That is our model. And when we fix our eyes on Christ, we actually become more and more like him. And this is a daily thing that we have to do. He says, if you're going to follow me, you have to take up your cross and follow me. And then when you focus on God, item by item, his story, it will shoot adrenaline into your, soul, into your souls knowing that you can also do what he did. So maturity is the ability to see beyond yourself. As we take this journey of saying God wants you to become a mature person because when you're a mature person, you can have a greater impact on this world. 
As long as you're an adolescent, you're stuck, and it's all about me, 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 man, your life is going to be really small. In fact, the Bible even says it's kind of like your, your, your eyes are closed, like you can barely see because your, your life is so dark and closed. You're focused on yourself. It's tunnel vision. But if you can learn to be generous and open up your, your eyes to the world around you, you become more effective and more involved in others' lives. So maturity is the ability to see beyond yourselves. So Peter, I want to talk about Peter a little bit. The second week of this series, we, we talked about Peter said it's a process. Peter says, if you do these things, you'll never stumble, you'll never fall, you'll never fail. Okay? If you didn't get that, go listen to the message. It was good. Well, when he said that, we said the reason he could say this with credibility is because he knows what it is to fail and to, and to stumble and to fall and to mess up. In fact, there's, there's a part of the, the, the story where Jesus tells Peter, one of the disciples, hey, you're, you're going to betray me, Peter. And Peter says, never. I'm going to follow you to the end. He says, no, actually, before the night's over, you're going to betray me three times. And Peter denies Jesus, that he was a follower of Christ, and denies him three times. In fact, the first, one of the first times he denies it to a teenage girl. Like, he's not even brave enough to tell a teenage girl that he's a Christian or a Christ follower. And he, and he, he walks away from God. And after the resurrection, Jesus comes back, and he comes to Peter, and he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's like, man, he's hurt to the core because he knew he, he bailed on, on Christ. And he says, yes, God, I do love you. He says, well, take care of my people. Take, feed, my, feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? And Peter's like, yeah, you, you just asked me that. You know I love you. I messed up. I know. I, I walked away. They take care of my people to feed my sheep. And the third time he asks him, because he denied him three times, he asked him three times, he's trying to teach Peter something. He says, do you love me, Peter? Peter says, yes, I love you. They take care of my people. Feed my sheep. And then they go on this, they go on this dialogue and they begin to talk. And this is found in the book of John, the end of it. Um, John 21. And essentially, Peter, Jesus reinstates Peter as a follower and says, man, take care of my sheep. Do this. Um, and, and he says, you're going to go where places where you don't want to go. Uh, you're going to be led. Kind of tell him what's going to happen to Peter. He's going to eventually die. A horrible death following Christ. But he says, would you do this? Would you follow me? In fact, he says in verse 19 of 21, he says, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to Peter, Peter, follow me. Remember in the beginning, he says, follow me. And then during the teachings, he's saying, hey, follow me. Take up your cross. Die daily. Become like me. Follow my example. Follow my lead. And so Peter, realizing what he's talking about, he turns to John and he says, well, John, oh God, what about the other disciple, John, that you love? Like, what's going to happen to him? So I'm going to die this horrible death, but what about him? See what Peter's doing? Jesus is saying, would you follow me? Would you put your focus here? Would you put your focus on, on, on the example of Christ? And what is the first thing Peter does? He says, well, what about that guy? What about them? They have a really nice house. God, you've blessed them a lot. What about them? Like, this is not fair. And right away, Peter begins to turn his attention somewhere else. And you know what Jesus says to him? He says, oh God, what about John? Jesus answers and says, if I want him to remain alive until my return, then what is that to you? You must follow me. You must follow me. Like, stop worrying about John, Peter. This is about us. This is about you. Because here's the thing. Throughout this week, your attention is going to go from what God is calling you to do to all the things that are happening around you, why it's unfair. And why that person got the promotion you didn't. Why that person has all the luck and all the breaks and, and you don't. And as soon as your attention focuses other places, you're going to behold what you're looking at. And what you're looking at is envy and jealousy and maybe even some bitterness. And so what are you going to get? You're going to bring it all into your life. The answer is not to say, to, to, to try to avoid those things. Rather, the answer is to say, God, in the middle of this, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to let, let go of my agenda so I can have your agenda. 
In fact, that's Jesus' prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done. What is he saying? All right, I'm letting go of my agenda for today. I'm asking you to let your agenda come. And when we do this, kingdom invades earth. The kingdom of God invades our life. And all of a sudden it begins to show up because we're being the kind of people that are saying, we want to be representatives of God to those around us. See, our heart for the grove, the first chair that's empty, the empty chair, people haven't come yet, we want to connect to them. My heart breaks for the Anaya family. There's a lot of people out there that are struggling with this. We want to connect with them. We want to be able to help them. But as long as we stay in these other chairs, our, our eyes will never turn to them. But as soon as we get to the, become mature and following him, all of a sudden we begin to look around and say, all right, God, I'm going to reflect you to them. I'm going to use my giftings to help others. And God begins to lead us in this and show us in this. So maturity is the ability to see beyond yourself. Can you go to the next one for me? So my question today is this. Who or what are you focused on? Who or what are you focused on? Are you focused on yourself? Are you focused on others and what they have? Are you focused on things? See, our job and what God is calling us is to become like Christ, to focus like Christ. You know what Jesus did? He would get alone with God and say, God, help me. God, you talk to me. What do you want me to do, accomplish today? What do you want me to do? And he had this rhythm in his life where he was serving and helping others and then getting alone with God and connecting with him through prayer, through for us, through reading the Bible, through coming to church. Because here's the truth. You'll become what you focus on. If you focus on Christ, his word, come to church, it helps you. You become more like him. So here's our challenge for today. If we're going to be like Christ, here's what we have to start doing. He said we have to take up our cross daily, right? So we have to start each day by asking God to help us to focus on what he would have us to focus on. That's a great start. Start your day off by saying, today I declare that you are in the lead and I want to follow you. Help me to focus on what I'm supposed to focus on. Next week, we're going to talk about how he helps us to do this and discover this. And uh, we'll, we'll give you some more tools. But this week, would you just begin by a prayer just saying, God, I, I want you to do this. And then if you really want to take an, another step, every night before you go to bed, would you ask yourself and God if you were a good reflection of Christ to others? Did you represent him well? Were you a mature person throughout that day? And did you look for opportunities? Did you look for opportunities? Even difficult ones. When you have disgruntled people coming at you and yelling at you, is this a bad thing or is this an opportunity to love somebody? Is this a horrible time or is this a time for us to be able to let God shine through us? So if we have the wrong focus, we're going to take it personal and think that they're just mean people out for, to get us. But if we have the right focus, we begin to say, these people are just people in need, people that are hurting. How can we love them? So that's my challenge. What gets your attention, it gets you. And what you become, what you behold, you will become. So make sure your focus is on the right things. So today I want to end service off just by giving an opportunity some of you came in this room, and I talked about that picture that had the question mark. It said, what have you put there uh, that's most important? Uh, see, our culture, it tells us a lot of different things that we should put there. Um, and a lot of times, they're actually contrary to what God is saying is most important. It's not that those things don't matter. Some of them are bad, but some things are actually good things that can be bad. And God is inviting and saying, would you let me lead? And as a church, this is our, this is our desire of heart. See, we want something for you. We don't want something from you. And the thing that we can give you that is most valuable is relationship with Christ and relationship with God. And that's the very reason God came to, in the first place to die so he can have a relationship with us, to be restored to that place that, he, that we can interact with him and we can have joy and peace. And he'll lead us on this journey. As we mature and as we grow, we become more and more like him. So today, 
Um, would you do me a favor? Would everybody just close your eyes? Let's give a moment, just kind of a, uh, just a respectful time. Maybe you're here today, and your life, um, you're, you're missing something, you're lacking something, you're needing something that's more than what you already have, and you try to look in all these different places. Many of them led you down paths that you wish you never went. Can I tell you today, God wants to give you a new start. God wants to help you to break from those things. But the answer is not just, it's not going to just happen overnight. Sometimes it does, but usually it's, it's a choice to say, I'm going to go the opposite direction. I'm going to, it's called repentance. You're walking one direction and God says, turn around and lock the other way. Because that way is only going to lead to death. If you're here today and you're needing something more, I would love to lead you in a prayer that just says, I want to take that first step and follow you, God. I want to invite you to take the lead. God loves you so much. He loves us so much that he died for us. He gives an example. If you're here today and you would like to take that step and just invite God into your life, would you lift your hand up? I won't call you down. I won't embarrass you. I won't just, just want to give you an opportunity to say, God, I want to put you first. I want to put you first. Awesome. I see those hands. That's the greatest decision I made in my life was to give God the lead and begin to follow him. It produced so much good stuff. One of the hardest things I've ever done following him, but it's so worth it because it produces life and it produces joy and it produces a peace that I can't explain because I don't have to worry about all these other things. And for you that raised your hand, God wants you to experience that too. Is there anybody else? I've got a lot of hands go up already, but is, is there somebody else is waiting? And today God wants you, the same invitation as, as Peter, follow me. Follow me. For you that, that, that rose your hand today, would you uh, just repeat this prayer with me? Simple prayer of just saying, an invitation to say, God, I repent. I'm going to walk away from my past. I'm going to walk away from the things that are pulling me away from you. I'm going to follow you. Simple prayer. Let's pray it together. The rest of us, would you join and just encourage them and pray with me as, as they pray this prayer? If you raise your hand and say this, say, Father God, please help me. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of the choices that have led me away from you. Today I turn away from them. And I turn towards you. Would you become the focus of my life? Would you be my leader? Would you be my guide? Thank you for dying on that cross for me. And thank you for opening a way back to you. so grateful would you help me in Jesus name I pray amen